Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. If you desire to intimately connect with yourself, your significant other, children, family, friends, community, and your higher power, this show is for you. Thus, we explore intimate topics, inspiring life stories, spirituality, and insightful tips on strengthening relationships. This show is hosted by Dr. April and her co-host, Dr. Kelly. Now let's get this episode of the Bringing Intimacy Back Show started because we share with you the secret power to intimacy to create a life you love or love the life you create. Now here's your host, Dr. April and co-host, Dr. Kelly. Welcome to the Bringing Intimacy Show where intimacy is real. Yes. Hey, Dr. Kelly, it's been a while since you and I have seen each other. Bit of a break there, Dr. April. It was nice to have a break there, but it's great to be back. Yes, definitely. I'm especially interested in today because one of the reasons that we met is through Hodges University. Yes, yes. And I know people may not think, well, is education kind of sexy? Oh, education (laughs) is sexy. Yes, definitely. Isn't intellect intellect sexy? That's part of it. There's emotion, there's intellect. And oh yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I wanted to say because Dr. Meyer is one of the most visionary visionary leaders that I've ever had the privilege of working for. And to have a vision, that is really important. So I'm looking forward to today and hearing how that uh, interacts with intimacy. Yes, definitely. And like you said, that intellectual intimacy where our brains are stimulating is so important. Uh, but before we get started, of course, we want to um, let our members know that on BBS Radio, we have a radio membership program. So if you're um, interested in supporting BIB, and guess what BIB is now, This starting this month? Do you, do you know what it is? No. What is it? Did I miss it, something? Yes. It is a nonprofit. Oh, it's now a nonprofit. Yes, yes, which is great. Yes, because we want to stimulate talks about relationship, intimacy, and we want to educate. And we also do, as you know, a lot of different um, donations to charitable organizations. And this month's organization is the American Art Therapy Association. And what they do is they help our therapists and people connect because therapy can look a variety of different ways. Indeed. And so using art, you know, and to stimulate or to help heal wounds is amazing. So if you're wanting to donate, go to members.arttherapy.org slash donate now. Yes. So that is wonderful. And bringing intimacy back, of course, is always taking donations. Yes. Great. Now we're a nonprofit, so bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, let's get on. Ask. Yes, definitely. But let's get on and talk about um, our topic today, education and intimacy. Yes, yes. Your background is in education as well, correct, Dr. April? Yes, yes, yes. Actually, my background started off in kind of business, which is um, what's fascinating when I get to talk to Dr. Mai because he makes business sound like true, so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I kind of fell into education in the sense of um, counseling, school counseling, and then mental health. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's talk about Dr. Meyer. One thing that um, Dr. Meyer has going for him, not only is his intelligence and as you, when you guys get to see him, but he's also married to a beautiful woman named Jennifer, and they've been married for a number of years. 
And he is actually the president of Hodges University, which is a university that I worked at previously. And I know Dr. Kelly has worked at. And it's a great university for people who are thinking they want to go back to school, which is um, awesome. Because when you do go back to school, that improves um, your own self-intimacy. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which we'll talk about later. Yeah, we're talking about non-traditional students. And I was a non-traditional student also when I went back to school because I went back in my 30s and it can be intimidating. So today's topic ought to interest quite a few people. Right, definitely. Yes, yes. And so he joined Hodges back in early. Was it 2017? Oh, that's when he became president of Hodges. Yeah, but he joined Hodges way before then because I think he was there before I got there. And he is now the president. So let's welcome Dr. Meyer. Welcome, Dr. Meyer. Thank you, Dr. April. Nice to be here. Hello, Dr. Kelly. Hello, Dr. Meyer. It's hard for me to call you Dr. Kelly, and and but I'll I'll do my very best for this duration. I'll do of this my podcast. best too. Yeah, no, I I know there are other things you probably want to call me, so that's fine. Oh, not at all. Uh, I'm looking forward to today. Uh, We have a great topic with non-traditional students. And one of the reasons that Dr. April wanted to have you on is because when you do talk about business, um, it really is, as she said, it's sexy. It interests people and education is intellectual. And not only that, I remember signing up for the recent HSA last year because you made it understandable. So I look forward to today. Me too. Me too. Yes. As we get started, um, Dr. Meyer, what is your definition of the word intimacy? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think it depends on the context in which you use it, right? So um, I think in the popular usage, when somebody says intimate or intimacy, um, one typically thinks of romantic interpersonal relationships and uh, to probably to the uninitiated and the uninformed, that might mean the more physical aspects of an interpersonal relationship. But to me, intimacy certainly encompasses those things. But one can um, and should, for example, develop an, an intimate understanding of one's own self, right? You should know yourself intimately. And by that, I mean, know what you really want to be, what you really want to do, what you really believe that you're capable of what maybe even more important than that, what your purpose in the world is. So I think one can know oneself intimately and, and that gives you a level of intimacy. I think um, there are other forms of intimacy. You had mentioned earlier, Dr. April about education uh, being important. And I, I think one of you said it was sexy, which I kind of appreciate. Um, When you're teaching students, they're, they're, it behooves the professor to become intimate or to gain an intimate understanding of or knowledge of his or her students. And by that, I don't mean anything romantic or sexual or anything like that. I mean to try to get to know your students as time and resources allow, to know what it is they're expecting to get from whatever it is you're trying to give them, right? So if you're teaching in class, what is it, how do you best reach that student? How do you best frame the subject matter such that he or she is is ready to embrace it and willing to understand it. Um, And I think that involves a certain level of intimacy. Yeah, definitely. And um, starting off with the first thing that you said is that 
that self-intimacy. How did you, because I think I believe from understanding your story from before, that you were also a non-traditional student. Can you define what that means and how did you start your journey? Sure. So I was, I'm probably the poster child for what, what we would consider to be a non-traditional student. But let me just maybe clarify that term. So if you are uh, the federal government, you might define a non-traditional student as uh, a female student who's studying to automotive technology and going to fix cars, or a male student who is studying to become a registered nurse. And all they mean by that is, is someone um, studying a profession or entering into a profession that is typically and historically uh, been represented, has greater representation from another group. I don't think that's the sense in which you meant it. I think the sense in which you meant it is um, the sense in which we colloquially use it, which is someone who is not the traditional age to go to college. So we typically think of a traditional student as someone who's 18 or 19 years old, um, going off to college for the first time, looking forward to, you know, parties and drinking beer and, and uh, debauchery and maybe the occasional philosophy class or something. And I'm going to take six or seven years to get through a four-year degree. And I'm being, of course, a little facetious here. That would be a traditional student. I was not that. I did one week of that and realized that was absolutely not for me. And it was stunningly, strikingly, apparently, miserably not for me. It was absolutely not. I was just not emotionally or honestly physically ready for that. I, 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 I was not prepared to um, emotionally embrace what was going to happen in school and what, what my professors were going to expect me to be able to do. I wasn't going to get anything out of it. What I wanted to do was go fix cars. I wanted to go to work. Okay. I wanted to roll around in the dirt. So then later, when I became an adult and gained responsibility and was making mortgage payments and had children and did all of those things, um, then you get to a different kind of know thyself level. You come to a place in your life where you say, this is not really what I thought I was signing up for when I was 18 years old, and I want to do something different, but I, the world is structured in such a way that unless I go back to school and unless I learn a new skill, and more importantly, unless I get a diploma or a credential, no one's going to talk to me. No one's going to let me do those things. So I came back uh, actually to this very institution. Uh, this is how I got introduced to this institution was as a student when I was 36 years old. So you went from just, uh, just let me clarify, you went from sure. mechanic? Yep. You were a mechanic that whole time? Yeah, I was a wow. mechanic. Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. still a mechanic. I'm, and I'm I like it. I'm a good one. Now that's sexy, right? Yeah. I'll leave that to you to decide. But um, yeah, no, I was a, I was a mechanic. I um, ended up running my own business. I did towing and recovery. I did use car wholesaling. Yeah. So Um, some people would think, you know, if you work with your hands, um, there's no way I will succeed in school. You know what I mean? That that I do. I do. But see, these, these are the things, this comes back to the intimacy thing, at least about the intimacy with oneself. Right. When you're doing an occupation like anything that's trades related, you're using a lot of math and you're using a lot of science. You just probably don't think that you are. Mm. So if you're a carpenter and you're cutting angles and you're imagining how something's going to be structured and how you're going to support it and how much weight it's going to have to carry, those are all scientific and mathematical problems that you are simply solving in a practical way, right? Not a theoretical way. 
Right. If you're fixing cars, you're studying, you're doing, you're using physics, you're doing electricity, you're doing electronics, you're doing fixing uh, air conditioners, which is about thermodynamics. There's a lot of these kinds of things that the average person who does this won't express in those terms. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. And if you can do that, why can't you be successful in school? Wow. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm just so amazed by you because you went from um, a young age of 30-something <laughs> as a mechanic <laughs> to a be a president of a university. To, yes, at another young age of, I don't know, you look like 40-some, but... <laughs> well, thank you very much, but add about 20 years to that. You know what I'm impressed by? I'm impressed by the fact that you knew at a young age that this wasn't for me. And no, absolutely. Stepped away yeah. from that. And some people would stay in it and then they just don't have the passion or fervor. And you had that. What was it within you that made you step away at that time? Step away from the trades? Yeah, no, step away from the education. You were like, this is not for me. Oh, I, how, um, how did your parents handle that? Not well. I went to a, um, a local probably at the time of school, very similar to what we are, although it was a liberal arts school for traditional age students. Um, But it was kind of a commuter college as well. And I remember uh, signing up for all the courses and one of them was, I don't know, European history or something dreadful. And there were two or three other things that uh, liberal arts kind of courses that I would have had to take. And I remember sitting in this um, dark, wood all wood room with old furniture and a musty odor and you know the professor with tweed patches and the whole thing and I was 17 years old and I'm sitting in this classroom going I just got done with this I just spent you know all of my life going to school I just did four years of high school I don't want to do this anymore I really don't like it I really don't understand it and in, in, in a way that only a teenager can do, right? I was completely negating everything that they had to offer because I didn't see how it applied to me. And so if it didn't apply to me, it wasn't real, it didn't count, and I was not interested. And then it was a short jump from there to where's the exit? Now, my parents, on the other hand, were adamant that I go to school. So there was some uh, different kind of intimacy in the household there for a week or so. Yes. And so when you decided to fast forward, go back to school, were you single? Were you in a relationship? No, I was married and I had children. And um, I, interestingly, when I had my business, I had hired an accountant to help, which is, you know, what most business people will do to keep track of things and prepare tax returns and whatnot. And he kept encouraging me to go to school. And I remember telling him, ah, Frank, which happened to be his name, you know, um, I, 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 what do I want to do that for? I'm doing this. I don't need to go back to school. And he said, well, you know, you never know. You should go back to school. Frank was a smart guy. And it kind of was in the back of my head for a couple of years there. And so we moved to Florida and um, I realized very quickly that there was, I was could certainly and was gainfully employed. That wasn't going to be the issue. I could start another business. That wasn't going to be the issue. The issue was, how do I get out of the automobile repair business? It was starting to take an, uh, a ne- have a negative effect on my, on my um, body. I'm simply not, you know, it's tough on the back. It's tough on the shoulders. It's, it's physically demanding. And I was getting older and I thought, I, I just, this is not a good idea for me to try to do this forever. And in order for me to do something more cerebral, how do I do that? What is the next step? Well, the next step is education. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to dig deeper into because you're at, um, like you said, you're at a crossroad. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. And so. so for many people, when they're at that crossroads, and people out there listening, um, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm at a crossroad," and how education helped blossom a variety of things. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to dig deeper into education and intimacy. At Hodges University, we offer you choices when it comes to taking your classes. That's because all of our classrooms have TEC. What's TEC and what does it mean to you? Technology Enhanced Classrooms. TEC means you can attend in three different ways. Pack your book bag, drive to campus, and attend class in person. Attend class live from your living room or wherever you are. Or attend class later. Plus, you have these choices every time your class meets. In person, live from your home or wherever you are, or later. The choice is yours. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion. A vacation without the kids. A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner actually hear each other and gain insight. If so, Vacation Counseling is your next vacation. Dr. April Brown has created Vacation Counseling in Southwest Florida as a perfect option for you and your partner. Our retreats are one couple at a time. We have a variety of packages available to choose from, including virtual couples retreats. If you and your partner are interested in the vacation counseling, please visit us at vacationcounseling.com for more information on pricing and packages. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. To keep track of the latest news, stories, activities, or coupons on vacation counseling and Dr. April's other services, we encourage you to sign up to receive a monthly newsletter called Intimate Connections at draprilbrown.com. Remember, if you and your partner are struggling with communication and intimacy and you all are looking for a retreat to connect, vacation counseling can be your next vacation in Southwest Florida. Welcome back to the Bring an Intimacy Show, where intimacy is real. So we've been talking with Dr. John Meyer, the president of Hodges University, a school that um, we all have connections with. And so, Dr. Meyer, you were in a school that Dr. Meyer actually went to also. You had this crossroad of, yes, that my life's got to change. And you chose to go toward education. How did that impact you, your family? Tell us about that. Um, honestly, Dr. April, it was frightening. Um, I'm just sort of thinking about it now. It, it, uh, and I got a little chill. Uh, it's, so you go from this place, here you are, or here I was, 36 years old, um, a grown man, responsibilities, family, all of these things, and in charge of my own destiny for the, since I'd reached the age of maturity, right? So call that two years at that point, but whatever it was, 15 years, making my own decisions, responsible for myself. Now I'm about to cash in a bunch of my freedom and um, commit to doing something that I, I, I was only marginally successful with in high school, to be brutally honest. To, so commit to doing this now, this intellectual pursuit, uh, something that had eluded me before, something that, although I was willingly doing it, I also knew that I was, that, that, that 
it wasn't 100% my choice because if I wanted to do something else with my life, this is what society, for want of a better expression, was going to tell me to do. And, and really, at the end of the day, I was insecure. Am I going to be able to do this? And I remember my first week at what was then International College, became Hodges University, um, being scared the first night of every class and going home the first night of every class, feeling very, very good about the choice that I had made. So in large measure, that was the professors. That was the other students in the class. I realized that they were all like me. They were all in their 30s or something. They were all at a crossroads in their lives. Our professors all understood that, accepted that, embraced that, tailored the educational experience to that. Um, and it was, it was great. I felt like someone took the top of my head and pivoted it open, dumped a lot of stuff in and then closed it back up. And so really after that first week, it was a piece of cake that all the fear went away and it became, it, there was, it was a lot of work, but it wasn't drudgery. It was enjoyable. Um, in fact, I stayed in and got a master's degree. So <laughs> yeah. And of course, we're calling you Dr. Meyer. So and we're calling me doctor now. Yes, I got that on the back of a cereal box years later. This must be such an encouragement to our listeners and those people that may be thinking about that, that intimate step with themselves. This is a personal journey. And, you know, I'm just, uh, just so encouraged by your, your openness and, and intimacy. Dr. April always says that's into me, you see, and that you, as busy as you are, would take the time today to talk to our listeners and then to share your journey and just the, just to imagine you nervous before something, it's a little bit of a far reach for me. So thanks so much for sharing that truly, because I think there may be people listening even now saying, okay, it's okay to be non-traditional. So it's, I think it's better than, okay. I think it's the ideal way because when you're, when you come to school a little bit later, you have that 15 years before where you were living and working and um, an active adult participant in the world that's all educational too. You just may not be realizing it as you're going through it. When you get to, to a higher education experience, you go to college for want of a better expression, right? All of these things that your faculty members are talking about, suddenly uh, you can translate those into your own life and into your own experiences. I actually learned as an adult, and I, I am confident that I would not have learned as a more traditional age student. And, so yeah, um, one of the things I have a question about, because um, I did go back to school as, when I was an adult, and not everybody in my family was on board, because people are thinking, when you go back to school, how are you going to have time for the wife? How are you going to have time for the kids? You, I don't know, did you get any pushback? Um, I was fortunate in that regard. I did not, I got a little bit, I suppose, here and there when I'd have to you know, really do a lot of studying or write a paper or I needed to be, uh, I don't work well when there's a lot of noisy distractions. So I would have to go off into another room and close the door. Uh, but I was very fortunate in that my wife, my children were young and my wife was, um, she was actually the one that had pushed me into going to an open house at, at the university in the first place to see if I could apply. So she was, she was very supportive of the endeavor. Uh, but it, in order for this to work well, and I've seen this, uh, I was a, on the faculty for about 15 years, taught an awful lot of students who were in this same kind of life circumstance. The ones who are going to be, uh, who are going to have the easiest time 
the, the most fluid time with this are the ones that do have the support from home. They don't all get it. In fact, a large number don't get it. And a large number will find that uh, the, the level of strife goes up at home. Um, maybe that's because one member of the partnership is growing and the other member feels left behind, or one member is transitioning into another industry or is going to make more money or is going to have more power. Or So often you'll see, I saw it as a faculty member, I never fortunately experienced that firsthand, but as a faculty member, I did see that an awful lot in students. And you, you can often see it written on their faces because it's troubling. Right, right. One of the things you stated about the university that you're president of, Hodges University, um, is that your experience was um, the connection with the professors. And as you talked about intimacy earlier, you talked about how as a professor, when they make those intimate connections, you know, and with the other students, because you realize that you're not alone. Yes, absolutely. So you can see that in class. You can see that after class. Um, and, and I don't want to be really clear. Nobody's crossing any inappropriate lines, right? This is about right. one human being helping another human being right. achieve the goals that he or she has set for himself. If you really want to see it in action, come to one of our commencement ceremonies. And not this one last year because of COVID. We sort of had to put the brakes on hugging. But in a traditional, normal, pre-pandemic time and hopefully next year, We'll be far enough behind that we can go back to that. Watch the faculty members as their students are coming across the stage and getting their diplomas. They will rush. They don't walk. They rush to the, to the end of the stage where the student comes off the stage, gets the picture taken, and then turns to go back to, to his or her seat. And watch the tears. Watch the hugs. Watch the handshakes. Watch the congratulatory pats on the back. Watch the smiles. It is, it is a compelling thing to witness. And it's genuine. Yes, definitely. And when I worked at the university at Hodges, um, I started working, of course, with people who just enter and how mm-hmm. they feel that frustration. And then to see those growth of two years or whatever length it takes them to finish. And that, I mean, how does it feel when you get your degree? So I would always start, I taught what we used to have called a wheel, which is a one-year uh, period of nine different classes. And so uh, it was like a cohort. So I would have the same students always for a year. And I would always tell them in the orientation before class actually started, don't think about today. I'm getting to this point today with stuff. Don't think about the next X number of years. Don't even think about the day of graduation and getting your diploma. Think about the day after that and all the days that come after Mm -hmm. that. Start thinking about today, what you want that diploma to do for you. In my own case, with each degree that I earned, it was actually an anticlimactic moment because I would get the piece of paper and I'd look at it and go, well, this is nice. I have them on the wall here. You know, (laughs) this is nice, but it takes a while to sink in. And um, you really realize this later. Maybe it's a month later or two months later or five months later. But, But if you can think about it in anticipation, the degree all by itself is just a piece of paper, like people say. It's how do you use it? What did you get out of the process leading to it? And what is it? How do you, what kind of doors do you expect this to open? Or how do you expect it to open the doors? How are you going to use it? So it's another one of those moments where you have to go back inside your own head and say, 
What is it I want? Do I just want to go to school so I can say I've got a bachelor's degree? Or do I really want to get an education? Do I really want to learn something? And do I really want to be able to use what I've learned out in the world? So it's a different experience in that latter way. You know, with non-traditional students, um, thinking back to the recent uh, graduation for Hodges University uh, and non-traditional students, wasn't there a mother and a daughter that graduated on the same day? Yes. And that was, I mean, people just applauded. And so what could be more non-traditional than graduating with your mother? Yes. Yeah. You know, you're 100% right. And, and that wasn't the only time we've done that. We've had, I think, almost every graduation we've had combinations like that. We've had um, husbands and wives graduate together. We've had uh, mothers and daughters graduate together. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. How rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you're never too old. I mean, one of my good friends graduated from Hodges and she was one of the oldest at 71 or 72. Yes, 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 yes. Um, Yes. And so um, what that did for her and what that does for all of us. And some people may be thinking as they're saying, as we're talking about this, you know, but education costs so much money. Is it really worth it? So that, of course, is the million-dollar question, no pun intended, today, with the amount of student loan debt outstanding in the country, and people are concerned about that. But I would offer this. Let's say, and, uh, you know, as they say on TV, your mileage will vary. Let's say that um, your, uh, the degree or the educational pursuit that you want to get will cost $60,000 and four years. Just pick numbers out of the air. If um, if you spend sixty thousand dollars on a degree, and the, and, and you get a piece of paper and you put it on the wall and you never change your life, you spent sixty thousand on the wrong thing. Right. If you spend sixty thousand dollars on an education, if you spend sixty thousand dollars on improving yourself, if you spend sixty thousand dollars on something that lets you do fulfill your purpose or do what you really want to do, it's the best investment you'll ever make because no one will ever take it away from you. And alternatively, you could do what a lot of people do and go buy a pickup truck. According to Kelly, Dr. Kelly, you can buy a really nice pickup truck, a four doors, the whole thing, right? Um, For about $60,000. The difficulty with the pickup truck is it begins to be taken away from you the minute you put the key in the ignition. It's a depreciating asset. It wears out. It needs maintenance. And eventually, nature is going to claim it. It's going to rust into a pile of dust right before your very eyes and it will be worthless in call it 15 years meanwhile the sixty thousand dollars you spent on fulfilling your purpose only appreciates in value over time so yes you can make the argument that sixty thousand is a lot of money and if that's the number we're using and it's expensive you can also make the argument that what is the rest of your life worth to you i love how you put that thank you And, you know, I'm sure that some of our audience members, we are live. So if I just want to remind you that are listening, you can call in for 888-627-6008 and ask Dr. Meyer questions. Yes. I I love how you put that um, education is an appreciation asset. Yes. And I think that it is. Yes. And you're right about it because it, um, when I was talking about it, when I worked with in the counseling department of students starting off, and then when they finish, how their self-esteem, their self-worth, 
Oh, yeah. Big difference. Yeah. 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 And I'm pretty sure, Dr. Kelly, you see that in psychology. Yes, of course. I, I see that. And I also rarely see people regret. In fact, I have never heard in 20 years of, well, 14 with Hodges University and uh, and then another college in Scranton, Pennsylvania, I have never met anybody that regretted getting their education. Now, they may have regretted getting a student loan when they could have worked during it or whatever, but not one single person have I met that regretted getting their education. Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know that I have either. Um, I think, though, it's important to choose the right education. So um, I know, for example, that if I pursued elementary education, um, I would have regretted that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But you know what else? Also, um, I think people don't realize that sometimes even if you start off in a bachelor's in one area, it's okay to switch Do your master's. Because my undergrad was business. Yes. And and I don't regret doing that because, I, of course, I run my practice now. And I've of learned course. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can yeah. mix and match. Absolutely. 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 Yes. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure working with the cars has helped you work with uh, students and faculty at Hodges University. Um. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. I, I, I like analogies all the time. So often I will try to find an analogy that I think is going to work with the audience that I'm working with. Almost everybody at least drives a car. So you can find an analogy that will work there. Yes, yes. As and we, I get that. I get that because I'm from Michigan. And so when you said it takes 15 years to rust, I was like, well, maybe in Southwest Florida. Yeah. Right. Yeah, in your neck of the woods, maybe five years. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that I actually learned when going back to school was about the importance of, because people are always talking about their families, is learning quality time with your loved ones. So you can go back to school, and it's more about the quality instead of just the quantity. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know if... I think it does. Do. Yes, I think it does. Um, I. I would argue, if argue is the word that I want, that um, if you if the time that you spend with, say, your children or with your spouse or something like that is time that is fully dedicated and devoted to them, even if it's brief, even if it's a half an hour a week or an hour a week, if the focus is fully on them, um, there is value in that for everyone. If on the other hand, you come home at the end of the day, you grunt, hello, you grab a beer, you sit on the couch and you watch Barnaby Jones or whatever it is that's coming on television and you never say another word and then it's a peck on the cheek and you go to bed, um, you've spent a whole lot more time, but it's, it's, there's been no engagement. So it's a conscious decision, I, I think, whether you're going to have that engagement or not. So to me, that's not a mutually exclusive thing with pursuing a, a, another life goal. So yeah, if I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing homework and writing papers and studying for exams. But the time that I have left, I have to make sure that it's focused time for the other people in my life. Mm-hmm. Some people may be listening and saying, can we go back to school and work at the same time? Sure. I did. I never stopped. I did. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I always say I'm not rich. I'm just good looking. You know, <laughs> that makes two of us. I had to work. 
Yeah, I do have a, a question from an audience member or somebody uh, texted this in and they said, uh, it's James from Texas. Thank you, James. James wants to ask you, Dr. Meyer, uh, his wife is not supportive of him going back to school and he wants to know what you would recommend if the spouse is not in support of going back to school. So thank you for the question, James. Um, and this may be out of uh, field for me. So I, if I start, I will be careful and then defer to Drs. Kelly and April for what the, maybe the appropriate recommendation, recommended course of action would be. But I would offer this. Um, if your spouse is not supportive of you going back to school, I think my first question, if she were my spouse, would be, why not? And I wouldn't ask that confrontationally. I would seek to find out what is really the crux of the issue here. Is she afraid that, um, you know, you're not going to be available to her or that you're going to get, you know, super educated and better looking and um, leave her or that you won't have time for her? So that there's, in my experience anyway, and I've, I've had an awful lot of students who've come to me over the years with this, raising this very issue. It's very common, by the way, for for. Uh, situations like this where one spouse goes to school and the other one doesn't. Um, what the what is the issue? What is she really afraid of? And I don't know if that is that the right advice, Dr. Kelly or Dr. April. I think it is. I, I think that's a wonderful advice. I would also suggest what I saw at um, the university and what I've kind of experienced in time. Is sometimes your spouse has actually will come invite them to an event or something on campus or online or whatever. And that is sometimes because you're inviting your spouse to enter into your world. So they're not feeling secluded. And when mm-hmm. they see it, sometimes that is definitely helped in the connection. Yeah. I'd ask James, how many children do you have? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and maybe about the timing, but you're right, Dr. Meyer, the, a lot of people uh, have fear over some type of need not being met if somebody else is excelling. Yes, definitely. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll um, ask some more questions and get some more tips. Great. If you're listening, you have a pulse. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can get all your favorite sports, movies, and shows together. So you can watch new episodes of your favorite reality shows live or binge old episodes on demand. Either way, get ready for some drama. And the best part? DirecTV Stream has no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. If you have a pulse, you have stress. If you have stress, you should get a therapist. How do you find a therapist? You go online, type in, therapist near me. Then you find a list of letters... LMHC, LPC, NCC, ugh! How can you navigate and understand all this? Go to drkellyboucher.com. Dr. Kelly specializes in supporting people who suffer from stress, anxiety, burnout, and more. You can have help today. drkellyboucher.com. Welcome back to the Bringing Intimacy show, where intimacy is real. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, I just got a question from Peter from New York. And actually, I've um, seen this in session. <laughs> um, Peter's saying, my wife has gone back to school. 
and I, and with the two kids we have, I feel like I don't have any time with her. Um, I want to support it, but I am frustrated. What should I do? So is that, is that for me to comment on? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. So um, here's what I would suggest and possibly even argue, and that would be this. Um, there are many things that we want in our lives that we can't have right away. And so every day when we wake up and we make choices about, you know, I've got a finite amount of money, I've got a finite amount of time, I've got a finite amount of whatever resource that's um, available to me, and an infinite number of things that I might want. So there, I might want um, uh, anything. I might want a vacation, I might want a different house, I might want a car. So we've in all other aspects of our lives, we learn to delay gratification and we do that deliberately. We say, well, I'm going to um, do X today so that I can have Y tomorrow. I'm going to save a portion of my income today so that I can retire tomorrow. I'm going to not eat, you know, the supersized Big Mac meal so that I don't get to be too fat tomorrow or whatever it might be. And so we're going to delay gratification. So it's more difficult at a time like this or in a scenario like this to, to agree to or understand that the delayed gratification model works here. But because you've always had access to, to this person, now all of a sudden you're concerned, probably rightly so, that you're going to lose some of the access to that person. The way to frame it or the way that I would encourage someone to frame it is, what does that look like two, three, four years from now when she's finished, when I get the access back? Is that access going to be better access? Is it going to be better for me? Is it going to be better for our kids? Is it going to be better for the family? Is it going to result in a better dynamic? Or am I merely giving up what I had now and then struggling along for four years to give up even more later? And honestly, only the two of you, in my view, could answer that question. But if, it's a, if it, the answer is the former, then I think um, that if you can frame it in terms of I'm getting something better, I'm just waiting to get it. It's an, it's an easier dynamic. And again, I will defer to the two experts because this is not my field. <laughs> I think you did a wonderful job. Absolutely. Well, maybe it is my field. Maybe I should <laughs> change my major again. And do change your major again. I yeah. think that uh, we can go to uh, the next question, which is not from the audience. It's from me. You know, uh -huh. at the recent graduation at Hodges University, I met a uh, faculty member. I hadn't met him before. He was a tall guy, has his doctorate in, I think, criminal justice. And he told me I, when I walked up to him, I said, I haven't met you yet because I'm very shy. And yes, yes. Uh, of course, he did not believe that. But and he introduced himself and he told me the story about how you mentored him, that you were his professor and the faculty member that encouraged him. And there he was with his stripes. And I just wanted to ask you, Dr. Meyer, um, you're a mentor. Well, for some, maybe a tour mentor, but you're definitely, yes. you're a mentor. That's me trying to be humorous, but you're a mentor. And uh, do you miss that uh, being in the classroom? I know you're busy yes. and, you know, but Dr. April was just raving about having you as a professor. Well, I never actually had him, but I, oh, I've heard. Oh, you said you wanted to go back. You yeah, I, yeah, I've heard. I you had him the way you were bragging. <laughs> 
<laughs> my stock is going up by the second here. This is great. No, um, but I, I want to take a class with him one day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the question. Do you want Dr. April as a student? No, yes, do you exactly. Miss, do you miss being in the classroom? And of what course, do you miss? Of course I do. So the individual you're describing, and I won't name him, but he was uh, obviously a much younger man at the time. He was a um, road patrol deputy for the sheriff's department in a county where we were running north of here, where we were running a learning site. And um, this was an individual who was so strapped into his law enforcement career that off the clock, he would pull people over on his way to class if they if he saw them do some traffic violation. And so, Dr. Kelly, we'll have to talk about this later, but I know you do this. I know that when you pull up to a stoplight or, or a stop sign and you want to make a right that you skirt by that person and make the right. Well, apparently you can't do that legally. And so he would routinely pull people over and cite them and then come to class a half an hour late saying, sorry, I was late. I had to give somebody a ticket. So this is a, an example of how seriously committed he was to law enforcement. He went on and got his, his master's degree in, in um, public administration and his doctorate in uh, public administration. And uh, when I told him that story about how he, when I saw him recently, he said, you know, I, I'm ashamed of myself for being that guy. I don't, I'm not that guy anymore. And I won't let any of the people who work for me be that guy. He goes, that was the, the wrong way to approach this. So what was so cool about that discussion and what, so to answer the question, what do I miss about being in the classroom is that. What, what I don't get so much anymore is that email, uh, you know, three weeks after graduation or three weeks after a particularly tough class or three years after graduation or a tough class going, I, if it hadn't been for you, I never would have been able to do X. So the feeling of knowing that, that the, whether I think I did it or not is irrelevant. Most of the time, I don't think I had anything to do with it, but the individual does, the recipient does. So for the person to be able to say to me, you did this for me. You helped me grow to this point. There is nothing in the world that is any better than that. And the only time I get those emails anymore are from people, you know, from 15 years ago who have had some life change and are now deciding to uh, credit or blame me for it. Right. But I, I don't, I'm not getting the current ones anymore. So I miss the ability to have that direct impact on somebody. Wow. Yes. And um, I know this is years later, but I remember when you went back for your doctorate and how that years later, I was like, wow, if he can do that, I can do that. So I know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm so saying, glad you did. Yes, yes, yes. I know I'm saying it now years later, but thank you so much Many for that. Many years later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. just curious about how many people are listening to this. There's three doctors in this room. And we were all non-traditional students. And for those of you that are listening or are watching this on, uh, well, we have many venues, anything from Audible, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening to this in, in this podcast, please know that you can do it. You yes, can you. do it. We are, there is nothing that extraordinary, though we are special. And, uh, but there's nothing that extraordinary of us that in this room, we just were motivated and we persisted and we showed up. So I encourage you to do that. Yes. That is correct. Dr. Mai, do you have any tips that you would like to give anyone who's out there listening and thinking they cannot do it? Well, 
Um, I would echo Dr. Kelly's words that you absolutely can do it. There is no magic. There is no magic. So um, ask yourself this. Do you know anybody who has a degree of any stripe, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctoral degree? Have you ever met a lawyer who, by the way, is going to have a doctorate? That's what a lawyer is. Or a medical doctor who has a doctorate. That's an MD. Or um, anyone who you know, uh, a member of the clergy, often have doctorates. Have you ever met any of these people and you think, I could do that, or I'm as smart as that person is, or I'm not sure that person's saying the right thing, or I, I could have done that myself. If you've ever had that experience in your life, you're 100% right, that having the piece of paper is not um, an indication of some particular intelligence. Uh, you have to have some, but I mean, it's not an indicator of, of extreme intelligence or anything. All it's really an indicator of is a willingness to do it, a willingness to have the, the stick-to-itiveness, as Dr. Kelly says, to show up, um, and the drive, the internal drive to do it. You have to decide you want it. If you decide you want it, there's nothing preventing you from getting it. And it's, I think, to me, it really is just that simple. It does boil down to motivation. And also, um, anything worth doing is going to have obstacles. So keep that in mind, those of you that are listening. And you may say, you know what? I did not finish my bachelor's. You have a wealth of opportunity right now with online degrees, the TEC that uh, Hodges University had in their recent commercial. So just have that dialogue with your spouse, your partner, yourself, and let's get it going. It's about time, I think, for some of you. Yes, definitely. So Dr. John Meyer, if anyone wants to figure out uh, how to get information about Hodges University or yourself, can you um, let us know? How do we go about doing that? www.hodges.edu. Everything you need to know is there, including everyone's contact information here at the university. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really, truly uh, appreciate everything that you've done. Yes. The pleasure was all mine, Dr. April. Thank you. And Dr. Kelly, thank you too. I think Uh, you should consider some more, um, not to overlap with you. I don't call it interrupting. I call it overlapping. Uh, Not to overlap too much, but I think you should consider more podcasts. You're exceptional at it. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to recommend Menji. The pay is outstanding. I know, right? We're (laughs) nonprofit too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I always enjoy things like this. And listen, from my perspective, I just got to spend about an hour talking about myself and I'm my own favorite topic. This was great. (laughs) Well, we enjoy you as well. Yes. For (laughs) those of you that are listening, thank you, Dr. Meyer, so much. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media be a part of our bringing intimacy back community request to join us on facebook also follow us on instagram uh, tiktok twitter youtube and um also clubhouse yes yes and what's coming up next week we have the whole man's um it's part uh, a show actually about friendship and then we have on july 29th learning to love and on august 5th We're dealing with sex, influencing, and education. We'll see you guys real soon. This has been the Bringing Intimacy Back Show, where intimacy is real. Is real. Thank you. Thank you.